Good morning and welcome to worship on this third Sunday in Lent. Welcome to those who are joining us on our OSL podcast, our YouTube station, or um, on our radio broadcast this morning. Uh, a word of welcome and thanks to our guest musicians this morning. We welcome Sam Weaver and Dale Freeberg, who have just shared a wonderful prelude with us to prepare us for worship. They'll be um, sharing special music throughout our worship service this morning. I remind you that a bulletin for this service is available um, on our website, on our worship page at oslme.com. That bulletin will lead you through this worship service and allow you to, to participate more fully. In preparation for worship this morning, I invite you to light a candle and to gather some bread and wine or juice so that we can celebrate Holy Communion together as well. We begin our worship this morning under the sign of the cross. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, the keeper of the covenant, the source of steadfast love, our rock and our redeemer. Trusting in the one who is full of compassion, let us confess our sins as we pray. Fountain of living water, pour out your mercy over us. Our sin is heavy and we long to be free. Rebuild what we have ruined and mend what we have torn. Wash us in your cleansing flood. Make us alive in the spirit to follow in the way of Jesus as healers and restorers of the world you so love. Amen. Beloved, God's word never fails. The promise rests on grace. By the saving love of Jesus Christ, the wisdom and power of God, your sins are forgiven, and God remembers them no more. Journey in the way of Jesus. Amen. We join together in singing our gathering hymn this morning, Holy God, Holy and Glorious, hymn number 637, and we will sing verses 1, 2, and 4 together.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Holy God, through your Son, you have called us to live faithfully and to act courageously. Keep us steadfast in your covenant of grace and teach us the wisdom that comes only through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we join uh, Denise Vick, our Director of Children and Family Ministry, for a children's message. Good morning and welcome to the third Sunday in Lent. Our color is still purple, and so far we have celebrated 16 out of our 40-day Lenten journey. How are you doing on your journey? I spent this past week delivering some of our Lenten packets to families and to some of our shut-ins. So I hope you've gotten a chance to look inside your packets and decide how you're going to experience your 40-day Lenten journey. If you're working on your family chain, it should be about this long so far. And here are some of the slips that I'm going to be working on this week. I like to pick mine out ahead of time so I can kind of plan. I have do something to help the earth. You know, I've been collecting my yogurt cups to start my seeds in. So I'm hoping that that will work out for me this year. Um, watch a religious movie together. You know, our OSL Children's Library is filled with DVDs for families to watch. And if you'd like, I will happily take a picture of what we have available so you can contact me and maybe we can check one out to your family to pick up here at the OSL office. I have pray for the world, the world political and religious leaders. You know, this is the time that we can spend in prayer for our country, for countries around the world for healing and just unity. All right, well, in today's lesson, we learn all about God's laws and Moses's interactions with God. Now, we may remember Moses from the story of when he was a baby and his mom sent him down the river in a basket where he was found by a princess and was raised as a prince. And then he later on goes on to be one of God's greatest leaders for all people. Let me read you today's Bible story from our World's World Story Bible on page 66. Our story today is titled, God's Rules. Mount Sinai was covered in thick black clouds. The clouds flashed with lightning and boomed with thunder. God wanted Moses to climb the mountain, so Moses started climbing. Step by step, Moses climbed higher and higher. When he reached the very top, he stopped. Moses! God thundered. Moses looked up. A flash of lightning lit the sky. Tell my people, I am the Lord your God. I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. I always come first. Do not make idols. Do not worship anyone but me. Only use my name when you are talking about me. Choose one day each week to rest and worship me. Call this day the Sabbath. God's voice thundered more. The ground shook under Moses' feet. Moses stood tall and still, listening closely to God's words. God wanted to help the people understand how to live as free people, loving God and caring for each other. Obey your mother and father, God boomed. Don't hurt or kill anyone. Married people need to be faithful to each other. Always tell the truth. 
Don't take things that aren't yours. Be happy with what you have. Don't wish your neighbor's things belong to you. God gave Moses these rules on two pieces of stone. God brought these stone tablets to the people. Now you heard the rules that Moses brought down from the mountain. They, are, they all fall under two categories, loving God and loving each other. Now why did God give us these laws? Well, without laws, life would be pure chaos, wouldn't it? Now, is it possible for us to live up to God's laws? Well, we are only human, so we aren't perfect, but it is possible to live up to God's laws if we really try. But what if we don't? Let me give you an example. Let's say your best friend comes to school with the latest, newest model of cell phone. Now you have a cell phone. It happens to be one of the older models, but it still works and it still does everything you need it to do. But theirs is so cool and you find yourself being jealous. Now for what reason are you jealous? Is yours not working? Well, yeah, it works just fine. Does it not function like you need it to? Yeah, it does everything it's supposed to do, but you still have these feelings. Well, you've just broken a commandment. Did you realize it? It is in our story where it says, be happy with what you have. In other versions of the Bible, it's worded, do not covet your neighbor's ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbors. I like to word it as be content with what you have or do not want what others have. It's one thing to save up for a new phone and plan your purchase. It's another to just always want what others have and never be happy with what God has provided for you. Now, if you find yourself breaking a commandment, what should you do? Well, first, stop. Stop whatever you are doing and whatever you're thinking. Then ask for God's forgiveness. As we learned in some of the previous children's messages, God loves us no matter what, right? He has granted us with his grace. We need only to honestly and humbly ask for forgiveness and it is granted. No questions asked. Now it is best if we try not to make the same mistakes again, right? But sometimes it's hard, isn't it? God's laws are given to us for a reason. They are to show us how to love God and how to love one another. Let's review some of the Ten Commandments God gave us. First, put put God first. What does that mean? Well, it means to love God more than anything else. So don't make anything in your life more important than God. Make sure you have balance. When you become engrossed in video games or playing a sport, enjoying these things that you're good at is important, but don't make them more important than being godly and following his laws. Now there's the, do not use the Lord's name in vain. Well, that means that we should never use God's name like in curse words, right? Or better yet, always use God's name with respect. Do not steal. Simple, right? If it isn't yours, don't take it home. 
<laughs> remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. When God created the, the world and the earth, he did it in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. It means that God granted you the ability to work and play and go to school and do anything you wanted Monday through Saturday, right? So you can respect him by giving him honor on Sunday. Spend time with God uh, in any manner that you find works for you. Watching our services online, doing our Sunday school lessons, giving of your time and talents for those in need. Uh, maybe spending time in God's creation, taking a walk in nature, spending time praying to God. All of these things honor the Sabbath. Obey, obey your mother and father. That's an easy one, isn't it? Ha ha, well, sometimes it is, right? It, it, you must know that God made that law because... Our parents love us and they know what is best for us, even when we don't want to agree with them. We should always strive to honor and respect our parents in all that we do. Do not covet, covet your neighbor's goods. Well, that's like I mentioned earlier, right? To be happy with what you do have. Uh, during this COVID lockdown, I think we all learned a little more about this commandment, haven't we? We learned that life isn't about things, that spending time together and enjoying all that we do have is enough. And we can find joy and happiness in simple pleasures like uh, just maybe cooking and creating with each other, sharing time with each other. Uh, talking to family far away, right? Just using our imaginations. Now, the last two I mentioned are pretty easy laws for us to file, follow. Do not hurt or kill anyone and do not lie. It is not in our nature to kill others. And lying only makes others sad and ultimately ourselves sad because we know we shouldn't have lied to begin with. So it is always best to be truthful. There you have it, God's laws, all for us to follow. Just 10 of them, easy peasy. God sent us these instructions so that we could understand how to live as free people, loving God and caring for each other. Let's end this time in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so dearly and giving Moses your laws to live by. Help me to keep your laws and always ask for forgiveness if I should fall short. It is in his name we pray these things. Amen. Our first reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 18. The word of the cross is pure foolishness and nonsense to the world because it claims that God is mostly revealed in weakness, humiliation, and even death. But through such divine foolishness and weakness, God is working to save us. The center of Paul's preaching is Christ crucified. A reading from 1 Corinthians. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? 
Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greek, Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Word of God, word of life, thanks be to God. We sing together our gospel acclamation, return to the Lord. Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Dear beloved of God, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. The Christ. Amen. It was a time of preparation for Passover. The streets were noisy and crowded as new pilgrims arrived daily from all across the area. At the center of the busyness was the temple. Its outer courtyard was filled with many pilgrims who were busy exchanging their denarii for shekels, acquiring the animals and supplies needed for their offering and for the Passover meal, and ritually preparing themselves so that they could fully participate in the upcoming celebration of Passover, the celebration of God's victory over Egypt and Pharaoh, the celebration of God's salvation, God's deliverance from bondage. Jesus, too, along with his disciples, have come up to Jerusalem for the festival. I want to start by talking about the temple a little bit because its role in Jesus's day was a little different than the role that church buildings play for us today. It was a place where prayer and worship took place, 
but it was also the dedicated place where priests performed ritual offerings and sacrifices and where people came to pay or fulfill the vows that they had made. Moreover, the temple was thought of as God's earthly dwelling place. People did not typically come to the temple for weekly worship in the way that you and I are used to going to church for weekly worship. People couldn't because the distance was too far and the road was often too dangerous. Worship often took place in other settings like homes or other public spaces in local communities. Even today, a part of Jewish worship and ritual practice takes place in the home, even though synagogues offer weekly services as well. A good example of this is the weekly celebration of the Sabbath. On Friday, as the sun sets, families gather around their dinner tables to light candles and to say prayers to welcome in Shabbat before sharing a prepared meal. Instead, the temple was a place that people tended to travel to for the three great pilgrimage festivals, for Passover, for the Festival of Weeks, also called Pentecost, and for Sukkot, or the Festival of Booths. Some traveled to the temple less frequently or even rarely. This seems to be true of at least some of Jesus' disciples who, although not recorded in this telling of the story, are amazed at seeing the temple. They chatter on about the size of the stones used in the temple's construction. It's fairly easy to imagine family and friends and neighbors who stayed at home, eager for all of the details about what things were like in Jerusalem and at the temple from those who were returning from pilgrimage. The temple was a holy space, made holy, because God had promised to be present there. And so to be able to go up to the temple to offer sacrifices or to worship, or to simply be in the presence of the divine was a cause of joy. One of the pilgrimage psalms, Psalm 122, gives voice to this joy. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. This experience of being and worshiping in the temple was a culmination of all of the preparation. The preparation for the journey, the acquiring of the necessary supplies once in Jerusalem, the ritual preparation for entering the temple, and the preparation for celebrating the festival itself. We know how important such experiences are for our faith, for deepening our relationship and our sense of connection with God. And so we might wonder a little bit about Jesus's reaction. He is the one, after all, who has come to lead us to the Father, to restore, to set to right, and strengthen our relationship with the Father. So why the strong reaction? Jesus's criticism is directed less towards the temple and worship in the temple and more towards the ways in which we prepare ourselves, our hearts and minds and thoughts and bodies to be in God's presence and to how we recognize or maybe fail to recognize God's presence among us. The temple is a place God has promised to be present. But God has never been limited to only being present in the temple. Far from it. God led God's people from Egypt through the wilderness to Mount Sinai as a pillar of fire and cloud. 
And while the community was encamped around the mountain, God had a tent made so that God could live in the midst of the people and travel with them. The temple was in some ways a concession to our desire, our need. It was originally King David who wanted to build the temple, but God protested at first saying, I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent and a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God, it seems, has been quite happy to live out in a tent so that God could be near and among the people. In the end, though, God relents and allows David's son Solomon to build the temple. It's not that there's anything wrong with the temple per se. As I said, God is not limited by the temple. God remains free to be present where God wills. The problem is on our end. We are the ones that have a hard time letting God out of the box, as it were. We are the ones that would prefer to put some limits around God and how much we let God be involved in our life and in our world. And since it's much easier to control God, to limit God's influence in and over our affairs, we like to keep God located only in the temple because then we can go to the temple, take care of our God stuff, and then return to our normal lives. What does God have to do with trips to the grocery store or picking kids up from soccer practice or taking out the garbage anyway? Jesus's criticism this morning is not one we can so easily set aside though. Jesus is not some religious fanatic. He's not simply a prophet or sage. Jesus is the word made flesh who has come to dwell among us. It's better than that actually. And here God's humor is on display because the word for dwell is really to tabernacle or to tent. God in Christ is back to tenting among the people just as God had done before. God is no ordinary God, you see. God so loves the world and us that God comes to where we are, not with the pomp and circumstance of dignitaries and emperors, but as one of us, as an ordinary flesh and blood human being. It's why Jesus can say, tear down this temple. God's access to God's people and people's access to God is not dependent on the temple. God is present with us in Christ. And when the incarnation, when Jesus's earthly life comes to an end, God's presence continues through the Spirit, through the Spirit breathed into the disciples on the evening of the resurrection, through the Spirit that rushes in upon the pilgrims in Jerusalem at Pentecost and gives birth to the church through the Spirit poured out on you and me in our baptism. The Spirit of Christ resides in you, 
Where two or three are gathered in Christ's name, Christ is there. When we gather on Sunday mornings, God, Christ is present, not because God lives in our church building, but because you bring Christ with you. God walks in with you. And when you leave, God goes with you back out into the world. And this is good news. Good news for us because God is with you always in all things, in all places, in all times. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the cringeworthy, the delightful, the forsaken, in the birthing room and on our deathbed. And this is good news for the world as well because through you, God is present and active in the world and God knows, God knows. The world needs God's care and attention and love and presence. I want to share one last reflection with you this morning. It's a confession of sorts. We struggled with this story a little bit this week. As we approach the one-year anniversary of our last in-person worship service, Jesus's words felt a little bit like throwing salt on a wound. I know that when we become too fixated on or too used to thinking about God in only one place, that we risk failing to recognize God's presence in other places and in other moments and times in our life. We might even fail to recognize God standing right in front of us. And I know too that we have not been cut off from God during this time, that Christ has been present in our living rooms, on our porches and decks, at our cabins and wherever else we have gathered in Christ's name. And yet I miss the spirit of community that comes with being present with you all on Sunday morning. I long for the joy that comes with singing hymns together and the laughter from Sunday school kids as they hurry off to class and the buzz of conversation that fills the friendship room. And while the time is not yet right to return to in-person worship, that day will come. And I suspect that on that day, I will not be the only one with the words of Psalm 122 on my lips. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. But for now, beloved, we worship as and where we live, held together and connected to each other and to our God by the power of the Holy Spirit. During this season of Lent, as you make your preparations for the celebration of the great feast of the church, as we prepare to celebrate Jesus's Passover from death to life, May you know and experience God's presence with you and around you wherever you are and wherever you go. Amen. Our hymn of the day this morning is Built on a Rock, hymn number 652, and we will sing verses 1, 2, and 3.
promises of God, we pray boldly for the church, for the world, and for all in need. After each petition, we sing together, O Lord, hear my prayer, hymn number 751. God of holiness, there is no God before you. Purify the faith of your church that your people would place their trust wholly in you. Guide us and all your people in every situation that our words and actions might honor your name. God of the universe, the heavens declare your glory. Renew your creation and provide leaders who will work fervently for clean air and water. Protect creatures and crops that rely on healthy ecosystems. Give all humanity the willingness to repent when our way of life pollutes the earth and sky. We pray to the Lord. and its leaders, 
as we follow Christ beyond our own habits and comfort. Help us to clear out in our common life all that would obscure the gospel or serve only our own interests. God of the living and the dead, the cross of Christ is your power for all who are being saved. Thank you for all who have died in faith, especially Dennis and Michael, and all whose lives reveal the power of the cross. Give us the same trust in life and in death as we entrust ourselves and all our prayers to you, O faithful God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray to the Lord. you are gathered in worship with today as we send our peace and love and share a greeting with one another. Peace be with you. We thank you so much for your continued generosity and for all the ways that you support our ministry as well as uh, helping to support those in need in our greater community. Your support is vital as we, as a community and as a congregation, continue to follow in the ways and work of Jesus. We welcome your offerings to OSL and to our shared ministry. You're invited to send in your offering to our church office or use our online giving option on our website at oslme.com. If you have not already done so, I invite you now to gather bread and wine or juice for our celebration of Holy Communion as we sing now together our offertory, Create in Me a Clean Heart, hymn number 188. Let us pray. Faithful God, you walk beside us in desert places, and you meet us in our hunger with bread from heaven. Accompany us in this meal that we may pass over from death to life with Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. 
In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Here in this meal, Christ comes to where we are to be with us and to share life with us and to share his love and salvation with us. In these, in these gifts, we celebrate and receive God's love, grace, and mercy. I invite you to share these gifts with one another, with those you are gathered with, or to receive them yourself. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. As you share communion with one another, we hear a special gift of music today from Sam and Dale. They will be singing and playing Canticle of My soul cries out with a joyful shout that the God of my heart is great. And my spirit sings the wondrous thing that you bring to the ones who wait. You fixed your eyes on my servant's plight, and my weakness you did not scorn. May name be blessed and the world is about to turn. My heart will sing of the joy you bring, the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near and the world is about to turn. Though I am small, my God, my all, you work great things in me. And your mercy will last from the depths of the past to the end of the age to be. Your very name puts the proud to shame, those who for you do yearn. You be sure your might, the strong to flight, the world is about to turn.
In the halls of power, to the fortress tower, not a stone will be left on stone. Let the king be aware, for your justice tears every tyrant from his throne. The hungry poor shall weep no more food that they cannot earn. There'll be tables spread, every mouth be fed, for the world is about to turn. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Though the nations rage from age to age, we remember who holds us fast. God's mercy must deliver us from the conqueror's crushing grasp. The saving word that our forebears heard is a promise that holds us bound. Till the spear and rod be crushed by God who is turning the world around. My heart shall sing of the day you bring that the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Thank you, Sam and Dale, for that beautiful version of Canticle of Eternity. May the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. God of steadfast love, at this table you gather your people into one body for the sake of the world. Send us in the power of your spirit that our lives bear witness to the love that has made us new in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. As you go forth into the rest of this day, go forth with this blessing. You are what God made you to be, created in Christ Jesus for good works, chosen as holy and beloved freed to serve your neighbor. God bless you, that you might be a blessing. In the name of the holy, the life-giving Trinity, amen. Before we depart from worship, I share a few announcements as I brief you, the ministers of OSL, but first, um, I offer my thanks and appreciation to Sam Weaver and Dale Freeberg for some wonderful, special music today. They'll be offering our postlude as well. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts with us. I remind you all that Matin's morning prayer continues on Wednesday mornings via Zoom. If you would like to join in that worship opportunity, please contact Pastor Sarah for a link to the Zoom meeting. 
And I remind you, it is our tradition um, during the Lenten season that we um, select uh, an offering benefactor um, for our offering, our Lenten offerings. And this year, we are encouraging you to support the work of Stepping Stones, uh, particularly the emergency shelter um, effort and work that is so needed in this time of our pandemic safe shelter for those who are homeless. Um, we are encouraging you to send those donations right to Stepping Stones. Um, in the memo line, uh, you can just write the word shelter. Um, and those dollars will go to help house folks in safe um, housing, in hotel stays, as individuals and families. Um, we encourage you to share um, your gifts as you're able. I remind you that a, a hotel stay for an individual or family is around $70 a night. Um, so it might be an opportunity for you to decide to sponsor a night or two or any part of a night that you are able. And thank you for your generosity. Our Wednesday Lenten worship services continue this week, this coming Wednesday, um, at 6.30 p.m. I remind you, too, that we're celebrating Holy Communion as we gather for those um, um, Zoom gatherings for worship every week. Um, so you can prepare some bread and wine or juice to celebrate communion virtually together. You can find a link to that worship service on the front page of our website. And I remind you finally um, that if you have a prayer concern or would like to uh, have a visit with either a parish nurse or one of your pastors, we are here for you. All of our contact information can be found on our website at oslme.com. We conclude our worship this morning as we sing together our sending hymn, God the Sculptor of the Mountains, hymn number 736.
Thanks be to God. You're down and out, you gotta know. You're down and out, you gotta know. You're down and out, you gotta know that the Lord's been down and out too. You're crying, you gotta know. You're crying. Gotta know you're crying. You gotta know that the Lord sees every tear that falls. You gotta know that the 